Well, as I said, it is Mother's Day, and we do want to honor our moms. And, uh, you know, I don't know, um, have you guys noticed that motherhood, the way that it used to be back in the day, is a little different than the way that it is now? Have y'all noticed that before? I, I actually did a little something Mothers back in the day, a little sepia tone on the on the uh, the picture, so you would remember what I'm talking about. And then there's mothers of today, which it looks a little bit more like this, right? The the color photo. See if this is something that you can identify with. Moms now say that word is inappropriate. Mothers back in the day said, "Say that again, and I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap." How many of y'all have ever actually had your mouth washed out with so any of y'all here? All right. I thought I was the only one who was abused in such a way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did. All right. Anyway, moms now. Good job trying one bite of the dinner that I spent hours making. Now you can have your mac and cheese. Moms back in the day. You'll eat what I make, whether you like it or not. There are starving children out there in this world. How many of y'all have ever heard that one before? How many of y'all have ever said that one before? Okay, all right. Moms now, I can see that you're upset. Take a deep breath and use your words. Moms back in the day, you better stop crying or I'll really give you something to cry about. That one right there hurts me in my heart a little bit because I said to myself when I was a kid and I heard that from my mom, I, I said to myself, I will never say that, ever. The silliest thing I've ever heard in my life, I will never say that. And then later came out of my mouth and I was like, oh my goodness, we're there? Yeah, you know. Moms now, I got two more. Moms now, you can't walk around the block by yourself. I'll drive you and then you text me when you need a ride back. Mom's back in the day. You want to go out, take your bike, be home before dark. <laughs> That's true, right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Which is good now that nowadays. It is crazy. All right. Mom's now. I packed your bento box with almond butter, a whole grain kale chips, and an organic smoothie. <laughs> Mom's back in the day. Take a brown bag with a bologna sandwich and Wonder Bread. Grab a Twinkie and a Hawaiian Punch and enjoy your day. Can any of y'all identify with any of those? Can any of y'all identify with all of those, right? Have any of y'all said, you know what, I'm going to keep it retro. I'm going to go all the way back. And you just start saying these things that your mom said. Oh my gosh, it's so true. I saw those, I was like, oh, it's too good, I gotta share it. It is so funny the way that that goes. Well, I'm just gonna begin here, and what I'm gonna jump in, I'm gonna go all the way to this something to learn, and let's talk a little bit about that passage of scripture that Paul read for us from John chapter two. John chapter two, the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where Jesus changes the water into wine. If you know this story, and if you've read this story, and if you were listening closely even, you heard that this is the first miracle that Jesus performs, how he changes the water into wine there at the wedding feast. So let's begin, let's go ahead and go to slide number 11, and we'll begin with something to learn right here. Jewish weddings often lasted up to about seven days, and a wedding was one of the most important days for a family and for their reputation. 
to run out of wine was seen as a sign of poverty or as a lack of planning. Either way, the situation was about to bring shame to this family in a shame and honor culture. Let me just say what that means, kind of if you're familiar or if you're not familiar. Back then, the highest thing that you never wanted to do was you never wanted to dishonor your family. Now, there are still shame and honor cultures that are high on that list. Uh, you know, it's very important in that particular culture. And so you de definitely did not want to bring dishonor or shame on the family, and you wanted to show honor and respect. It was the highest virtue in that day. And so as they're about to run out of wine, their entire family is about to be shamed because of what's about to happen. And Mary asks Jesus to save them from that. So Mary says, Jesus, I know you. I know you can do anything that you would like to do, and I want you to step in on behalf of this family. There's a very interesting interaction here, and there's a lot that's not said about Mary and her relationship to Jesus and Jesus and his relationship to Mary. We do know that Jesus had his mother as a very, very important part of his life. That as he hung from the cross, the Bible tells us that as he looked down from the cross, he saw his mother Mary standing at the foot of the cross and then saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is John, and said, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. Let John take care of you from this day forward. And the Bible says that as Jesus is about to leave this earth, he wants to make sure that his mother is cared for financially, emotionally, spiritually, and all of those things. She's about to suffer, and you're about to have a very difficult situation. He says, Mom, let John take care of you. So he, we know he loves her and that she's a very important part of his life. But let's keep moving here, and let's look and see what's going on. If you listen to that passage of Scripture that Paul read, look, I will just say this. I always want y'all to be like Jesus, but I would not recommend you using the exact language with your wife or with your mother whenever Jesus used it. It was cool. These days, it doesn't fly because culturally, we're in a different place. He calls her woman, and I would not recommend you do that, right? I would not, I, I'm not going to go home and say, I want to be like Jesus, so I turn to Shell and I say, woman? You know, no. Y'all will see me come back with a Maybe, maybe two eyes with one of them black. Maybe not even two eyes. I don't know. When I call my mom today, I'm going to say, Mom, I love you. I'm glad to have you as a mom. I'm not going to say, Woman? <laughs> no. But just know this. When Jesus used this, and the way that it's written in the Greek language, it's important to know that Jesus is not being disrespectful. He's not distancing himself as better than his mother. And let's be very clear God bless you, Mary. You're an incredible woman and an incredible example of what womanhood is. But true story and facts on facts, Jesus is better than you. Jesus is better than every one of us. He is a sinless son of God come in the flesh. So he's got all of us beat. If he wanted to say I'm better than you, he could have. He would have been within his rights. He did not. He showed his mother the honor and the respect that was due her, not because she was perfect, but because she was constantly sacrificing for him. Now, I'm going to put it on hold real quick, put it on pause. Can you imagine raising a son that's perfect? 
And every time you have a disagreement with him, you're like, ah, you know, I mean, he's right again, you know. It's just got to be hard to have that much holiness in your house. Or is it just me? I mean, is it just me? No, okay, all right. So here's what I see. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, woman, what does that have to do with us? Here in this passage, if we kind of look at it and see what it really is trying to say in its context and in its best uh, translation, you can see I put in there NASWB, that stands for New American Standard Bible, which is probably the most literal translation. It's not always the easiest to read, but it's probably the most literal translation. It's not always as easy to find as the NIV that I share with you guys week in and week out. But what it could have said was, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And then his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I don't think that this is a huge disagreement or a huge blowout of back and forth with Jesus and his mother that it kind of seems or appears. I think that his mother is saying, Jesus, step in and be a blessing. Do this. And the Lord's like, I haven't done anything miraculous in front of anyone. And the moment that I start doing a miracle, my relationship to everyone changes. Are you guys with me? Can you all imagine if somebody found out that you could do something like what Jesus just does when he turns water into wine? They're like, okay, uh, we're out at the restaurant. Everybody order water. We got Jesus with us, right? <laughs> everything changes. Jokes aside, everything changes because if you can do that, can you do this? If you can do that, would you do this? And Jesus eventually has it up to here with people saying, would you, would you, would you, give me, give me, do this, do that, and all of that stuff. And he goes and he separates himself from that. And he comes back and he says, you know what? I'm not gonna heal every person that's been brought from all kinds of towns and around because I actually came not to heal people, but to preach so that the inner being would be healed, not just simply the outer. And isn't that just like us as human beings to worry too much about the outer and not nearly enough about the inner, right? But Jesus is having this back and forth with his mom and his mom says, whatever he says to do, do it. I see this as Jesus' mother saying, well, I'm gonna leave it with you and let you decide what to do. But you already know where I stand. And this is important because I've, I've actually kind of wrestled with this and wondered if this is Jesus saying, ah, I'm not going to do that because my time's not yet come. I don't think that's at all what's going on. And I always try to ask myself, why is this in the Bible? Like the whole story could have been that Jesus went to Cana of Galilee, turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed at his power. And then they left. And that was the first miracle. That's all that had to have been told. The eyewitness John who was there saw it and wrote down all the different parts of it, wrote down the conversation between Jesus and his mother. And I think it's incredibly important on Mother's Day to see that even when your child is perfect, and I know all of y'all's children are perfect, right? Can I get an amen? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying. Even when Jesus is your child, you still are called to fulfill a role. I love that Mary asks Jesus to do something and he says, but you don't understand what that's gonna do. And she says, do whatever he tells you to do. If he says to do this, do it. If he says not to do this, don't do it. But I think Mary comes 
and pulls on Jesus' sleeve and says, you can change this for these people. It's a weird thing whenever you are trying to decide if you're going to be a preacher or a pastor. Because um, <clears throat> unlike all the cool people on TV, I don't own a private jet. And, uh, you know, all those kind of crazy things that TV preachers do. And all I had to wrestle with was, my dad's a preacher. Am I just doing this because he was a preacher? I had to wrestle with the whole idea of, I have a past that I'm not proud of. And I have a girl in my life that I have no idea if she wants to be a preacher's wife. Because that's not easy. Not easy at all. And I remember at times when I did not see anything of worth or value in me that my mom saw and called it out in my life. I think before it even manifested itself in my life. I'm emotional about it because I think there's something about moms that you see stuff before it becomes reality. You see it in your kids before most people do. And you have an opportunity and a unique opportunity, a unique position, excuse me, to say to your kids, I see something in you that you don't even see yet in yourself. But you have something to offer. And I never want that to leave your mind. In that video, it said, God has a great plan for your life. We hear you, mom, when you say this. And it's incredible how many times mothers pour into their kids and call something out in their kids that they don't see yet, but it is there. And it just has to be called out and called into the public and into the being, into, the, in, into being, into reality. I think this is happening at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Mary knows what Jesus can do. And in the process of it all, she says, you know what? I know that you can make a difference if you want to. I'm going to leave it with you, but I'd love it if you'd step in and intervene. That's, that's my own New Texas version, okay? But I think this is an, a reminder, ladies, of the position and the importance that you have as moms. And I want to talk a little bit about it. I want to praise you for what you do. And then at the very end, I'm going to push you a little bit to make sure that you're going in the right direction and doing the right things. So we're going to praise and push. All right. So here we go. Let's go to our next slide here. Our something to learn. The Greek word in John 2 translated as woman was not in any way a negative reference according to biblehub.com. In fact, we know that Caesar Augustus used it to address Cleopatra. How many of you guys have ever heard of Cleopatra, right? That's what Shelley makes me call her, which is weird to me, but okay. Uh, a famous historical queen renowned for her beauty and her intellect. Also the line, what does that have to do with me could easily be translated. What does that have to do with us? Like that's their problem Whatever he tells you to do, do it. We go on here and we move forward to this big idea. Mothers are change agents in individuals and in relation to that in the world. Now, ladies, you make differences and make change happen in the world at large outside of your family. But I know that no matter who you are as a mom, even if you don't 
have anything that you're doing outside of the four walls of your home, you are a change agent as you pour your life into your kids, your grandkids. And I know that some of you, maybe you don't have a child in your life, but you have a a person in your life that's like your son or your daughter, and you pour into them. You're making a difference, and you're having an impact. You're a change agent, and that is the big idea today. Let's keep moving. I'm not even going to make you say it. I'm going to keep moving, all right? J.K. Rowling, do I have any Harry Potter fans in here? Uh, a handful of y'all? Okay, a handful of y'all. <laughs> One of y'all is like, uh, yeah. So I literally read Harry Potter when I was very old uh, just to make sure that I understood a little bit of it. And one of the most powerful things in the book is early on, the big villain is Lord Voldemort. If you don't know Harry Potter, uh, if you don't speak Harry Potter, I'm kind of not very good at it myself. But Back in the very beginning of the series, Lord Voldemort tries to grab Harry and to hurt him. And in the process of that, he grabs him and the hand that he uses to grab Harry burns. And he, Harry later asks his mentor, uh, Dumbledore, he says, basically, hey, what happened with that? How come I was, you know, able to burn him? I didn't do anything. And he basically tells him The reason that that happened is because your mother died to protect you. And whenever somebody loves you that much that they would lay down their life for you, you can't help but be changed by that level of love. Now, moms, I know that you would give anything and everything for your children. And I know that sometimes that is appreciated and verbalized as gratitude, and sometimes it is not. But here's what I know. That level of love that you give will protect them and help them all of their life, wherever they go. And I encourage you, don't stop. Don't give up and don't quit because it does make a difference and it does make an incredible impact. Keep pouring into your kids you will not be sad, and you will not regret that you did. It's important. All right, let's keep moving here. How do moms make a difference? Let's go back to that wedding in Cana of Galilee. A mother's intercession matters. This is why this is in the Bible, in my opinion. It reminds us that a mother's intercession matters. Why did we have this back and forth between Jesus and his mom? Because a mother's intercession matters. And it matters in a few ways. And very quickly, it matters for a child in our world. If you don't advocate for your kid, I promise you, they can fall between the cracks. So advocate for your kids in every way that you possibly can. A mother's intercession matters to a child as they find their way in that world. That calling out of something that you see in them that they have not yet identified in themselves. And moms make a difference to God as they ask for God's blessings on their kids as they hit their knees and they begin to pray for their children and where God would lead them and what God would develop in them. A mom's intercession matters. Let's keep moving here as we go to this next slide. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs in which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to just say something real quick. Why? I mean, why this one? It's funny to me because I have, as I keep rereading the Gospels, I realize how God has a different kind of plan than the one that I would have. I would make my first miracle something awesome. I mean, just something incredible that everybody would go, wow, look at that. 
Why in the world does Jesus choose to turn water into wine as his first miracle? Why is this the one that he chooses? Here's what I believe we can take away from this. And this is from back in the day. I preached this message from what the book was called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. But he says these words, what makes God so great is not only that there is nothing too big for him, but also that there is nothing too small for him either. So moms, keep praying for your kids because it matters, every single thing, and it doesn't have to be big. Part of what I love about this story is this is his first miracle, and it wasn't something to impress. It was something as small as an everyday shame that would have been attached to a family. And you know what? That's something small unless you're a part of that family. You hear what I'm saying? It only matters a lot if you're a part of that family. And here's what I know. Your prayer requests, my prayer requests, they matter to us. And there is nothing too big for God to accomplish, but there's also nothing too small for us to ask for. Whether that's for your kid's test in the middle of March (laughs) that doesn't have to do with anything, Lord, help my son on the thing that he's been studying for. Help him to do his very best. Or, Lord, my daughter got her heart broken by the boyfriend, was her first boyfriend. Help her. In the grand scheme, that's really small stuff, unless it's your kid, unless it's your heart that got broken. And here's what is beautiful. Why I think Jesus performs this miracle is it's a reminder there's nothing too big for God but there's nothing too small for him to be involved in either. And so moms, intercede for your kids no matter how big or how small. It's important. Let's keep moving here. Moms make a difference. A mother reminds us to value people over plans. A mom reminds us to value people over plans. I'm gonna make a broad statement here. And the broad statement doesn't always apply, but here's what I would say. For most men, we value plans over people. That's why whenever you're trying to get to destination X, whether your kids need to go to the bathroom or not, you're trying, most importantly, to get to destination X. Now, but moms are like, oh, let him go to the bathroom. I'd warned him not to go and get that 44-ounce big gulp before we got on the road to the, right? I mean, does this sound familiar to any of y'all on a trip? Dad's trying to get to the plan. (laughs) Mom says, no, 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 He, he doesn't understand. He's too young. There's something there about moms that remind us to value people over plans. And I'm not saying that Jesus didn't value people and plans in the right proportion at all, but I love how a mom speaks up and says, no, 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 this is important to them. And I think that's incredibly true. Moms, you help in so many ways by valuing people. I shared this with you a couple of uh, times uh, in the last couple of years, but there's a rational side and an emotional side to all of us and to parenting as well. And 
you can be a person who goes too far in the rational direction or too far in the emotional direction. So emotionally, too much red is a problem. And then on the next slide, you can see too much ration is a problem as well, uh, rationale. But there is a place in the middle where there is wise parenting. It's like the, the royalty where red and blue make purple the royal color. It's like wise parenting has just enough emotion and just enough rational and that you do find a place where you are the right kind of parent as you raise them up with understanding that projects are important but never forget people or people are important and never forget that you got to accomplish some things as well. And so all of this stuff can be found in wise parenting and I love how Jesus' mom speaks up for the people side of things. Let's keep moving here and uh, I want to pick it up a little bit. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is what Mary said that I hear echoes of in John chapter 2. Whenever they came to her with an angel and said, you're going to receive a gift from God. The gift is that you as a virgin are going to have a child. She's like, how in the world is that going to happen? I've never had a, a sexual relationship with a man. He says, well, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to be from the power of God. Nothing is impossible with God. And then there is a, a, a pause, I believe, where Mary has the decision to say yes or no. And Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel says, okay, great. Here's what I know. This is Mary's best characteristic that she does not see her plan as most important, but instead she sees God's plan as most important. Now, ladies, here's a little bit of a push. Be careful that you do not try to make your children into your image and make them do what God did not design them to do, but let them be who God called them to be and encourage them to be the best version of that that they possibly can be. Because there will be tension and problems all of your life if you try to push them in a way that God did not create them. Mary is submissive to God's plan first and her own plan for her life far behind that. And that's important. Let's keep moving here. Um, let's just talk about this very quickly. Mary dealt with a lot of pain in her life. Moms... I know that you deal with pain and feel things that are different that I, as a father, can even f understand or fathom because <laughs> you have had a connection from the very beginning with your child. You literally were the person that bore that child and brought them into this world. There's a deep connection that moms and kids have. But when there was a prophecy spoken over Mary, she was warned and said, a sword will pierce your own soul as well. Here's what I will say. Moms, it's hard and pain is a part of the deal. You can't love them enough to impact them without it hurting really bad sometimes. It's just part of the, the game. It's just what's gonna happen. But when it happens, just realize that God's mother the son of God who was raised by Mary. She felt pain as well, but did not quit. She kept moving and kept going. And uh, 
I, I don't want to go too far, but it's so important that you grasp. And then let's kind of move to our last way that moms make a difference. A mother is called to both praise and push us to be the best versions of ourselves. Now, moms, here's where I'm pushing on you a little bit. You can get so caught up in keeping the peace at your house that all you ever do is say yes and praise because it's just not worth the effort. But here's what I'm going to tell you. As a mom, you're created, you're specially designed and gifted and positioned to be a person that pushes them to be their best, but they also desperately need to hear the praise that you can give them. You're that one that loves them and sees them in a different way. But you cannot just simply be the one who doesn't do anything but heap praise on them because they need to hear that they can be better. And I promise you, as a teenage boy, I needed to hear that I could be better. As a teenage girl, if you're here, I bet you you needed to hear that you could be better because we need to push in the better direction. And so if we are not ever pushing them to be their best version of themselves, we're not doing the best that we can do as parents. That goes for men. I'll get on them come June, all right? But ladies, don't forget. Heap that praise like crazy, but don't forget that your job also includes a little bit of push. And sometimes, I'm just going to call it out, sometimes you're the only one that they'll listen to. Because a lot of the time, you're the only one who has enough emotional equity to speak into their life. And if that's true and you don't do it, where will they be? Amen. Let's go to our next slide here. And don't miss this. Children have become ultimate things in some people's minds. Children are good things, but they are not ultimate things. This realization is both for your good and for your child's good. Here's the warning that I will give you. All of what I have said is true. But if you begin to value the gift instead of the giver, things start getting out of balance. And you start putting weight on a kid's shoulders that they're not emotionally strong enough to deal with. So remember that your child is a good thing and every good and perfect gift comes from God. But they are not an ultimate thing. And the problem comes in for us when we make a good thing and give it the position of an ultimate thing. You want to make your child turn out in ways that you don't want them to. Start treating them like they are the ultimate thing in your life. You're not doing them any favors. I promise you, this is for your good and for theirs that you do not ever treat a good thing as an ultimate thing. But instead, the only ultimate thing, even including your marriage, is the God who gave you that thing. So that is the only thing that is worth being worshipped as an ultimate thing. Your children aren't made to hold up that kind of weight. For your good and for theirs, don't ever forget that children are good things but not ultimate things. And then one more thing. You know what? I'm just going to keep moving. Y'all come back for another time on that one, all right? Let's be careful that we don't focus so much on behavior and forget attitude and outlook. It's so important. And then that last quote there is that he that complies against his will is of his own opinion still. In other words, 
You can make your child do the right thing, but then when you have your hands off and there is distance, the question is, why would they do it? You're not around to make them. They complied, but they complied against their will, and they are still holding their own opinion as to how to act and react in their life. So don't ever forget, this is important, focus on their attitudes and their outlooks. This is my way of pushing moms, hopefully, to be encouraged to do and be their very best. Now, how do you apply this? And then we're going to end. Above all, praise your children. Praise, praise, praise your children as much as you possibly can. And then don't forget, push your children to become their best selves. This is so important. Now, real quickly, I want to share something with you. And I'm going to keep it very, very short. Have you guys noticed that uh, Eric and Kendall have a couple of little kids? Now, Kendall, this was not an immaculate conception. They're in the foster care system. (laughs) These two little babies that are running around with them and that they are keeping at their house. Uh, Tough, tough, tough upbringing. Parents that were in a difficult situation. And I don't want to say too much because this is, you know, kind of an important thing. But they had these kids observed They were convinced that both of the children who were nonverbal into their ages well above and well beyond when they should have already been verbal, they were like, well, they're probably somewhere on the autism spectrum or something of that nature. You guys with me? So here's what they did. They got into the foster care system and they went into Eric and Kendall's house and then they had the, the specialist come in and, you know, evaluate them. And here's what they said. They said, these kids are not actually on the spectrum of autism. But they just haven't been interacted with. Their parents were so detached, so into doing other things, that they just let them do whatever they wanted to do. They are nonverbal because they were never talked to. And these kids are very, very young. And Eric and Kendall are like, well, we'll probably have them for a year or two. What are we going to do? What kind of interventions? They're worried. They want these children to have the best life that they possibly can. Pretty heroic, by the way. I just, they probably won't ever say it. I'll say it. So what in the, what in the world are they going to do to, what, what is the next step? Here's what they did. They were told, they said, here's what you do. You just start talking to them. You start loving on them. You hold them, you look them in the eye, you make them speak, you have rules, you have limits, you have guidelines, you have a code of conduct that you push them into and teach them how, and you love them out of that place of isolation and bring them into a place where they're different people because you poured into them. That's what you do. So they don't know for sure if they are or are not, but the prescription The remedy is the same. Pour into those kids. So moms, I don't know if it's going fantastic or if it's a tragedy or if it's a triumph, but the prescription is the same. Intercede for those kids. Pray to God for those kids. Love on those kids, praise those kids, and pour into those kids. It's the same story that every one of us needs. And this is the way that it changes.